All right, we have a few text messages here that Ooh. I want to get to. The first one is, do you find it funny to say the list that the Pope, uh, that the Pope, leader of the Catholic Church system, actually made a law against actions that have always been unlawful to start with, then gets praised for it? Okay, so essentially what that is trying to say is that isn't it funny that the Pope, you know, says something that's wrong that everyone knows that is wrong. wrong and it, like, as in he, he makes okay. a, yeah. a law against something you, that is already against the law. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have a point. I think what we're trying to do is just trying to like, you know what? We acknowledge that you're trying to make a, mm. you know, make a, a good step. Like, yeah, it, it, that's the thing, right? We're is all it, thinking it, it. Is a, it's a bittersweet truth that yeah. this is a positive change. Yeah. But it's coming out of probably one of the most dark and dire yeah. situations yes. of abuse yeah. in the world. Yeah. Like systematic all over the world. So I understand if people aren't fully like happy yeah. about it. We I'm get like that. stoked because it also doesn't, it, it, look, it saves a future generation, but it doesn't oh. change what happened in the past. Yes. Uh, I pray for the people who have been through, you know, such terrible um, situations of abuse and, yeah. and whatnot. And you pray for those people and you pray that they can find healing and that they can like, also they can find God uh, in it because it's like, they have been, unfortunately mistreated by people who claim to represent him. And I, I personally know people who have been through that and have just then fully thrown God out. And, mm. and they're, you know, they're in different places in their lives and kind of going through that process of getting to know him again. It's, it's tough. It's tough because mm. someone who you see as a representative of God mm. can hurt you so badly. And yeah. so, yeah, this is a positive change. Yes. But in the most, bittersweet of circumstances so i guess we'll see uh how that goes i got another uh text message here about our interview it says marriage might cause one trouble but uh the blessings that can flow from it are worth the trouble and i think a fuller deeper knowledge and relationship with god can be had by experiencing it than by choosing not to because the marriage relationship and parenthood is how God shows us the fullness of the relationship he wants to have with us. That's interesting. I really, really appreciate that yep. comment, actually. Um, especially because, yes, I think, I think I, I really agree with, um, this person's comment. They're saying that, like, through experiencing marriage and parenthood, they experience God and they mm. understand God in a new and fuller light, I guess, yes, in, yes, in a yes. way, which, yeah. I can I can see that I can I can get behind that I see. You know I, okay I'm gonna be a, a little bit vulnerable on the on Go the topic ahead. of marriage because because I think for us we're we're both single people sitting here and uh, I think neither of us are in a place where we were just talking about it off air where we're like super looking. Yeah. You know I have I have other friends I have a friend uh, who's about to get married Harley Southwell and I can Ooh. say that up, up until he got married he was definitely looking. You know honestly he- I I have to I uh, yeah, I hope we're allowed to talk about this show but yeah I also Harley's a good friend from college and he's one of the guys. Who who, um, who just, when they were talked about relationships, they're like, you know, you want a man who will look for you and who will like pursue you. And when I was thinking about like guys who pursue girls, I was like, yeah, like not all girls. I'm making Harley sound <laughs> like, okay. I'm just saying that he was definitely a pursuer in what yeah, he yeah, like. Yeah. And, and he was very intentional in the kind of mm. partner that he was looking for. Yeah, and my point there is not to throw Harley under the bus. He's a great friend of mine. He's about to get married. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Harley. But yeah. my, my point is, is that well, because he was ready, yes. he was pursuing. He yeah. was in a place where he was like, I know what I want. 
Mm. You know, he'd spend that time single. He's like, I know what I want. Mm. You know, I'm I'm looking for it, mm. and he's found it. Yeah, he's found it. Like, praise the Lord. Yeah. Uh, but I think, like, you know, we kind of express, like, oh man, like, you know, there is that trouble that comes. Like, are we even ready? And <laughs> and I guess for me, I kind of look at marriage at the moment, and I'm like, dude, I live a good single life. Mm. Like, I you know have a job. I'm you know working on my education, all these kinds of things. It's it's the reality is to add another component into my life that being a relationship that's so complex and takes so much time. I'm like, man, would I even be selfless enough to be able to? do that at the moment considering yeah just my situation I'm so like, is there an there's a bit of uh like you're not feeling ready yeah yeah but but isn't that what david was saying though you have to like you kind of have to not in a sense you have to find your identity find yeah, yourself be yeah, settled in that mm-hmm. and if you're not settled then then it's not a good idea to yeah I might, I might be just like, you know, reasoning it away for us. <laughs> it's fine. Like, cause genuine, like I like you, I'm like, I, I like my life right now. And I think mm. I know I'm getting there slowly. Mm. I'm getting there slowly, very slowly. But like, I think, you know, I, I, I think, I think the interesting thing is cause for both of us, we've both been in relationships previously, <laughs> it, like yeah. specifically yeah. Christian ones yeah, as well. Yeah. Like, and, and it's like, it's so funny that going into those, like, I thought I was so ready. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm such, I'm like 19 years old. I'm like, I'm such a gun, bro. Like, I am so ready for this. And then obviously, you know, it ends. And, and, and you're like, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And that's kind of, I think for both of us, that's just yeah. where we're sitting now. And that, and this is, the, I, I believe just from hearing what David said, this is the best place we could be in. Yeah. Just yeah. getting to know God better for our lives. And this yeah. is kind of what this text message, yeah. um, you know, it's That's like a saying, fuller, deeper relationship yeah. with God. It's like we're we're in a place mm. where we are preparing ourselves to then have that experience. Yeah. You know, and to, to put that work in to be yeah. ready for it. So oh man, interesting <laughs> stuff this morning. Well, this thank is... you for sharing. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I love it. Dude, I go to a uni church, dude. Mm. And it's just Oh, it's just all the couples. No, no, not all the couples. Uh, There's there's heaps of single people and it's constantly the topic of conversation. People just love talking about it. It's just relationships, this relationship. It is fun. It is fun. I do get sucked into that. I like talking (laughs) like so, but like, and then people ask me, anyone in your life? And I'm like, my friends, (laughs) God, my mom, dad. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is my best friend and makes atonement for me. He really is. Okay. We need to get into a Bible study. This morning we've we've been going hard with this. It's funny. All right, let's read our focus verse for this week. We read it uh, on Monday. We read it yesterday. Let's just get to it. Jeremiah chapter thirty-one, verses thirty-one to thirty-four and eight. If you can get there, this is our focus for this week. We're going to be having a look at it. You know, this passage from another perspective today. So let's get oh, let's get so, into it. Yes. So is uh, Jeremiah thirty-one verse thirty. Yeah, 31 to 34. Gotcha. Okay, so I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it says, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though. I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them I will write them on their hearts I will be their God and they will be my people mm, epic stuff okay I just have so much to say about this I don't know I, I'm feeling almost argumentative oh okay I, I have I have a piece I have I need to speak my mind 
You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, speak your mind. I'm feeling ranty. Uh, no, let me let me <laughs> let me give you some context. So, when I became a Christian, uh, I became a young Seventh Day Adventist. You know, God came into my life, mm-hmm. changed my life. I did Bible studies with these two girls and made my decision to get baptized. At that time, you know, I'm reading through the Bible in in Matthew 28, and I read, you know, uh, uh, Matthew 28. 18 to 20, I believe, you know, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, the great commission. I'm like, and I'm like, yes, this is my calling. This is my calling to make disciples. And so I went to a small Bible school called Arise and I, I went up there and I'm a fresh, like brand new Christian. I've been doing Bible studies for like four months. I'd just been baptized mm. and I'm up at Arise like, yep, like working for the Lord. And we've done about three weeks of classes and we go out into the community. We're knocking on doors. We're, you know, running events, whatever. Anyways, I get a Bible study uh, with this lady at a, at a house and I'm like, oh, wow, okay, this is, this is interesting. And, and she's, and I'm like, what do you want to learn about? And she's like, well, I'm a Christian myself, but I want to really learn about, um, you know, what, what Adventists have to say about things. And, and I was like, oh, well, what about, you know, the health message? I think that's something that's really awesome. It's really affected my life and I can teach you about it. She's like, sure. So I'd never given a Bible study in my life. And I go back and I spend the week preparing a Bible study on the health message, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like making it all good. I've got my verses. They flow into each other. I feel like an absolute boss. And I, ro- oh, and she calls me before I get there and she's like, Hey, do you mind if my brother comes? Uh, you know, he's interested in this stuff too. And I'm like, Oh yeah, for sure. Anyway. So I sit down with her and her brother and I actually take a, a pastor along with me and we all sit together and we start this Bible study. Um, and it becomes very clear that her brother uh, wasn't just someone who was interested in these things, but very knowledgeable about these certain topics. And I start giving my Bible study on the, you know, on the health message. And I'm showing him like, oh, look, these verses all connect. And he stops me after three verses. And then for the next hour, just starts to recite his thesis on dispensationalism. Oh. Now, it turned out that this guy was a, was a um, charismatic theologian uh, and teacher in like a university of like he was a theologian and a teacher in a university of apologetics. I know I think it was like prophecy and hermeneutics. Oh, so biblical interpretation yeah. and prophecy. And I'm sitting there like a brand new Christian <laughs> and he's like just just going hard and I have no idea. He just like blindsides me. But he inter- for the first time I'd heard of this idea of dispensationalism which was essentially the idea that God saves different people in different ways. And he was trying to make the point that we don't need to keep the health laws today and that that's just for Jewish people even to this day because Jewish people were saved by keeping the health laws and keeping the ceremonial laws. But as Christians, we're under, we're in the new covenant relationship. We are saved by grace and, you know, apparently, and this is something we've talked about because this is very, very related to the covenants. This is something we've mentioned uh, a few times as we've been going through the study. You know, are we going to get to heaven and Moses is going to be like, oh, I kept the law. And we're going to be like, well, I was saved by grace. Um, <laughs> this is what people preach. Like mm-hmm. I, my from my firsthand experience, the first ever Bible, Bible study yeah. I gave was with a Pentecostal theologian, uh, you know, charismatic theologian. And so I was very taken aback 
at first. I was like, oh man, like what is going on? But actually it was a fantastic thing. It, it really turned me to my Bible and I feel like it nice. gave me the ability to be able to speak on this topic. And the covenants is a huge centerpiece of this idea of dispensationalism, but also like the correct view of the covenants completely refutes it. So we view here, right, the new covenant. We've been reading about it this week. Let me ask you the question, Renee. Who was the new covenant promised to? Who was the new covenant made with? So it's like God comes and makes a new covenant. Who is he addressing when he's making the new covenant? He made it to the Israelites. Yeah. To the Jews. To the Jews. Yeah. To the house of Israel. He comes and he says, the law is going to be written on your heart. I'm going to forgive you from your sin. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, grace will abound so much. Like, this is the new covenant found in Jeremiah, one of the Jewish prophets. Like, and it's to the Jews. Yeah. Uh, And as we've established over the last couple of days, it's also been the covenant that has existed longer than the old covenant. It existed before Judaism and it existed in Judaism. And and then people would say, oh, yeah, like people who believe in just dispensationalism would say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But I just want to make the point like plain and simple here that the new covenant is so clearly made to, well, everyone. I'm not going to be reading that throughout this study, but like the context in which is given is to the Jews. I used to think the new covenant was given in the new Testament <laughs> and the old covenant covenant was in the old Testament. That yep. was just when I was younger and didn't fully understand. And then you read the Bible. I read the Bible for myself and I understood. Oh, okay. The new covenant is given in Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah, like I, I, I honestly, there's, there's two ways my mind goes about this. Like I'm like, how can people come to that conclusion that, Oh, New Covenant is New Testament, Old Covenant is Old Testament. And I think it's one of two ways. Firstly, it's just by people not actually being committed to the study of their Bible. Secondly, yeah. it's through, you know, the compartmentalization of the Bible. It's, you know, some justification that just completely doesn't serve the text. Because we just need to take Jeremiah and the rest of its context and be like, oh, this is talking about, you know, the remnant of Israel being saved from Babylonian captivity and, and how they're going to just be absolutely smashed mm. um, and destroyed by... God shows mercy on them, and then he makes a new covenant. Like, yeah, it's so, so clear that the te- the context that this is given in is to Israel, therefore for it extends to Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, but then further, uh, it doesn't just stay with Israel. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 56, uh, verse 6 and 7. Isaiah 56, verse 6 and Seven. Mm-hmm. I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and who do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest and who hold fast to my covenant. Verse seven, I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with my joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Actually, keep keep reading verse say it. For the sovereign Lord who brings the back, the outcasts of Israel says, I will bring others too beside my, besides my people, Israel. Mm. So, okay. The context is given in Israel to the Jews, but his desire is clearly for the, all the mm-hmm. nations. Yes. To come. Yes. This is what this verse is all about. I love like to, and to make this plan, like so just clear and simple. Isn't it amazing? Who says like all the sons of the foreigners, you know, um, like they will come to the Lord and serve him. And then it gives the, the, the methods on how it says, 
everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and who holds fast to my covenant. We, we discussed all last week about how uh, the, the Sabbath itself is like one of the great signs of the covenant. It's like used as a sign of the covenant. It's like the perfect representation of what the covenant is. And God uses it uh, as a sign of it to show that it, it is a representation of, you know, for us, it's a learning experience of, oh, man, God has done everything for us. That's what the covenant is all about. And so we spend this day doing nothing, like resting in God um, and being blessed by him. Um, and so, you know, as a representation of our covenantal relationship with him. But furthermore, uh, it just goes straight in, into holding fast to my covenant. And it's, it's powerful. And, and then in verse 7, what's the, like the ultimate result of that uh, as we read? Um, that his, the temple that will be... Um, oh, are you talking about like... God will fill them with joy in their Yeah, yeah, all, all of it. There's, there's, a, there's a fair few things here. He'll oh, fill yeah. them with joy. Um, he'll bring them to his holy mountain mm-hmm. in Jerusalem. He'll accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices. Mm. Um, and his, his temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. This is, this is really amazing. Like, this is really amazing because not only, like, is God just like beautiful words. Uh, And not only is the covenant amazing because it extends to all people, but like it is just in spite of everything you see in the world religiously at that time too. Like, you know, at that time, in their time, gods are just nationalistic. Like Mm. gods don't care about other people. Mm. You know, you, you worship, you know, Dragon, because you're Assyrian and you worship uh, Tammuz because you're Babylonian. But here you worship Yahweh because you're human. Yeah. He is like the one true God who calls all the outcasts of Israel, but the foreigners of all the world. That's really, really awesome. We're going to continue to discuss this idea and get into what that actually looks like for us today. Uh, but You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, let's take a little bit of a corner in our Bible study to get today. Let's go to the New Testament, Romans eleven uh, eleven. So it's been powerful. We've seen an Old Testament example of you know the New Covenant being in Jeremiah being promised to the Jews, um, and then an Old Testament example of foreigners being able to be a part of the New Covenant relationship. And now there are people who asserted at the time in the Book of Romans, uh, in Romans, when you whenever you read one of the epistles of Paul, it's usually like many of the things that you bring up. It's it's his response to the thoughts of opinions or the actions of people um, in that particular nation or town or city Mm -hmm. or region or people group. Um, And so he then here in Romans 11 is, you know, continuing some on some theological ideas um, about Israel and who they really are. And I guess responding to some of the questions that people might have. And this plays perfectly into what we've been talking about today. It's like, okay, so if the, the new covenant was promised to Israel, but then given to the foreigners, and then there are people who assert that, no, the new covenant isn't for, isn't for Israel. Well, then, you know, uh, and, and grace isn't for Israel and, and all those kinds of things. Let's just read what Roman 11, Romans 11 has to say from, let's go like verse 1 to 7. Sure. Go for it. I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? 
Of course not. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people whom he chose from the very beginning. Do you realize what the scriptures say about this? Elijah the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. And do you remember God's reply? He said, no, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to bow. It is the same today for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because God's grace, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what really is free and undeserved. So this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God they are looking for so earnestly. A few have, the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. All right, there is so much to get into here. This is epic. So verse 1 and 2, uh, basic point, basic question. Has God rejected Israel? Mm. He's like, no. Nope. No, no, he loves them. Uh, now we know, you know, I don't have the time to jump into a Bible study and qualify this, but we know from prophecy that that uh, the the responsibility of being God's representatives and His people all over the world shifted from Israel, you know, to the world, you know, to the Christian Church um, because of their lack of obedience and lack of representing God. But does that mean that they're lost? Does that mean God doesn't love them? No. Mm. Like here, it's so clear. Like God has not cast down his people. Uh, but then in verse 3 and 4, it goes on to to quote uh, from the book of First Kings, I believe, and it's specifically the story of Elijah, when he's like, oh, God, I'm all that's left. Uh, and the response is, no, I have reserved people. There are people who still follow me. But then verse 5, how did your verse 5 read really strange compared to mine? Yeah. Uh, my verse 5 makes this point a little bit more clear. It says, even so then, at this time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Mm. Okay, what do you think it means here by the election of grace? Hmm. Um, actually, I don't know. I, I'm pretty stumped because I'm looking at my verse and I'm I don't really it's understand. It's way different in in yours, and I feel like I'm, I'm like, man, that is not very accurate in <laughs> okay. the, in the yeah. NLT. No, the election of grace is essentially like a synonym uh, for new covenant, right? Because the new covenant is like God chooses His people, He go goes and does everything from them, He elects them to be saved by His grace, and they respond to it by you know, opening their hearts to him, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, that's what the new covenant is. But that's for everyone, right? That's for everyone. Sorry, the idea of election, it sounds like God picks specific people. Yeah, 100%. But Um, that's not the case, right? Yeah, but the reality is when we read scripture and God talks about the election of grace is that the election of grace is for all people. Yeah. He he calls all people, you know, as the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, you know, God desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Yes. God, in terms of salvation... He calls all. There yeah. are people who... His desire is for all nations to come to, to yes, call his house. Yes. His temple, the house of uh-huh, prayer. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. That's as we've just read. There are people who would assert that that's not true. Uh, I, I don't have a Bible study. Uh, like, I don't have a time to do a Bible study on that. Uh, and I'd love them to call them and challenge me. And we can answer any question of the day, um, as I believe we've done so before. Mm. But no, it's clear here God 
calls everyone to the election of grace, even the Jews. Mm. So, you know, because uh, there are some people that would read this initial passage that would say, oh, yep, you know, God, yes, yeah, still strives for the Jews. They're living under the old covenant, even to this day. But no, it makes the point that no, that covenant is done away with. Like the old covenant is gone, even for the Jews. And this was the reality for Paul and all the Jews who joined the Christian church and the Jews to this day mm. is that they, the remnant of the Jews who follow the election of grace, it's ultimately communicating that, like, Jesus is the fulfillment of their faith. Mm. You know, there is no Judaism. There is no anything. Like, there is no faith without Jesus. Yeah. Like, Jesus is the fulfillment, and that's the step that needs to be taken, whether whether you're Jewish, whether you're not Jewish, is believing. And he still strives for those people. He still strives for the Jews, you know, as an ethnic group, as a cultural group. He mm-hmm. still strives for them today, but he's calling them to the election of grace yeah. as the Jews received in this day. Mm-hmm. As Paul, you know, he goes on to, to make the point, he's like, I myself am a Jew. I'm, I'm a Benjamite. Like, I'm, like, I'm not condemning myself by saying that, you know, I'm not going to condemn myself by saying, oh, you know, God rejects his people. Like, no, I'm a Benjamite. But just like, you know, we're a remnant of his people who have come into his election of grace. We've attained his grace. And how have they done it? You know, have they done it through genetics? Have they done it through location? Uh, have they done it through the ordinances? No, he, they've done it like everyone else. Mm. They've accepted Jesus' sacrifice by faith and experienced the grace-filled relationship that he offers them and of course this is the offer to us today as well as we've read in isaiah like this is what god is calling all of us to um irrespective of who you are of where you're from of what your genetics are you know god is not picking and choosing based on race he's like not i'm giving grace to everyone powerful stuff you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different that it's now time for Question of the Day. Ooh, question of the Day. All right, Renee, give us it. What, what is it? All right, so this question comes from Chris and he asks, what about the millions of people that have prayed fervently to God for deliverance, but they died nonetheless? Okay, this is a great this is a great question. A lot of people yeah, a lot question. of people like bring this up, you know. Oh, what about all the people who die praying, mm-hmm. you know? Uh what do we what, how can we reconcile that? I want to mm-hmm. ask I want to ask you a question this morning. Just oh. just real quickly, Renee. Um well, I'm going to ask myself the question and then probably answer it and, and maybe if you want. But essentially like, okay. What is the point? Like what is the the ultimate goal uh that we have on this earth? Like what is the purpose of life? Like what are we you know, our goals ultimately push us forward towards something. What is that ultimate goal? Well, the ultimate goal is to live with Jesus and have eternal life with him. Yes. And others. So And what proves that, right? Like if we were just living on an earth that, you know, we just had this perpetual state of living and dying, which we're currently in now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, then, you know, you could make a case against that. But the fact that we know that the world ends, like that mm-hmm. is the closing chapters of the Bible, that this world comes to an end mm-hmm. um, and sin and pain and death and suffering comes to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes it so clear that the ultimate goal and the ultimate purpose at the end of the day is to have that relationship with God so that we can then live in eternity with him yeah, uh, and live in eternity with him and each other. This says that all the pain and the suffering and the sorrows that we go through um, is, I guess, nothing compared to 
that's what the Bible says. Nothing compared to the glory that God yeah. gives us. 100%. And so we see here, like with this question, it's like, okay, you know, why doesn't God deliver these people? Well, God is going to deliver um, anyone or uh, God is going to do anything that ultimately furthers the or advances the cause of people getting, you know, saved, essentially. Mm. That is God's ultimate purpose. He gave his son for it. He gave his life for it. Like, God is ultimately going to do and bless people um, in the way that is going to lead the most people as possible to salvation. Mm. This is God's ultimate purpose and ultimate goal. And so, in these cases where it's so tragic, people praying for deliverance and they ultimately lose their life, we can be confident, like, God is doing the right thing thing um whatever the circumstances it is if they're fully giving everything to him um because through their either life or death he's going to be glorified and more people are going to be have the opportunity to receive salvation through whatever happens yeah i think the ultimate object lesson as to the opposite of that and god just showing what happens like when he just willy-nilly like he, he does this on purpose he gives extends someone's life because they pray about it and you ultimately see the results. And that's in, you know, with Hezekiah and the book of Second Kings. King Hezekiah, he's seriously ill. He's like, God, please don't let me die. Please give me more time to rule Israel. Please give me Lord more life. And God's like, all right, you have another 15 years. And what follows is complete idolatry. And then he gives birth to Manasseh, who then succeeds him once he does finally die, who is literally the worst king. Mm. It's actually fortunate that in the end Manasseh is, is healed. But it's the perfect little object lesson of like, yeah. oh, this is what happens when God just freely gives people life when they ask for it. Not good things. Yeah. God ultimately does what is going to benefit and glorify him. And I think where we see that so, so clearly is in the book of Daniel where they're faced, you know, with their lives being ended. They say, whatever happens, you know, whether we live or die, God will be glorified. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.